0: Welcome to the Beyond Devices Podcast. My name is Jan Dawson and with me is Aaron Miller. This is our News Roundup episode for the week. And we have three topics that we're going to talk about today. First off, we're going to talk about the launch, finally, of the Essential Phone from Andy Rubin. Secondly, we'll talk about a couple of different Apple Watch-related items from the last couple of weeks. Uh, The uh, stories about an LTE version and... Also a story about Apple talking to uh, health insurance company Aetna about providing Apple Watches to its customers. And then 3rd we they're going to talk about a couple of different content stories. So Netflix hired Shonda Rhimes, uh, creator of a number of very popular, successful TV shows uh, to make series for Netflix. And then Apple was reported to be spending... A billion dollars on original content uh, in the video space over the next year as well so we'll tie those two video content stories together let's kick things off though with that essential story and really a couple of different things Uh, back in june when uh, essential was unveiled it was said to launch within a month and that didn't happen and there was relatively little communication from essential about when it actually would happen instead and uh, in the meanwhile, other bits and pieces dribbled out, like Sprint being the exclusive retail, uh, sorry, wireless carrier partner, Best Buy and Amazon being the retail partners outside the carrier space, um, and various other bits and pieces. And then this week, we kind of got a steady drip of stuff. Uh, earlier in the week, Essential started emailing customers he'd pre ordered saying their phone would be coming in the next week or so. Uh, then uh, it announced uh, pre orders and sales were up. And then today, Friday, uh, some kind of embargo on reviews seems to have lifted and there was a whole bunch of reviews. So uh, We'll talk through all of that Aaron kind of let's go first of all to you What were your takes on all the stuff that's been happening here?
1: Um, I you know the delay thing I thought was a Pretty big mishandling on essentials part because yeah, really. it's not a great mm-hmm. way to start off with the customers mm-hmm. but at the same time once you if you if you ship a good phone and if it's a phone that people actually like and value at the price then you know that will go away eventually um any sort of negative feelings of unreliability as far as the new this new company is concerned um so i don't know now that it's shipping uh, I, that's where the proof is really going to be that matters to everybody and based on the reviews i've seen so far um it seems like a pretty solid entrant i mean hmm. um, i know the verge in their review had some funkiness going on with the camera and then a right. software update apparently fixed a lot of those problems but uh um but i mean it seems like a solid phone so Mm -hmm. it it seems like it will it will compete the question is whether or not it has a it's a distinctive enough phone because this is a rough space man like the flagship android space is about as tough as a market as you can try to compete in and and, uh, samsung has really beaten up everybody else in that area um so i guess that's a big question is whether or not essential can can carve out its own part of the market there.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think the combination of the delay and the timing that the delay now implies is really tough because it was bad news, as you say, to delay the phone, but people can get over that. But it it does mean it's now going head-to-head against next week's Galaxy Note 8 launch. Uh, The iPhone launch will presumably come about three weeks after that. Um, You know, right into this season when people are going to be talking all about phones from the two biggest names in the business. Um, and the reviews are really solid as you say I think uh, you know I read a bunch of them read probably half a dozen of the reviews this morning kind of pulling out some themes from them and you know what stood out to me was there's really nothing that makes it super special there's uh, you know one of the reviews picked up on an interesting point basically said everything that's special about it is on the outside Um, so the design's different you've got ceramic elements and stuff like that you've got titanium instead of aluminum on the outside Uh, you've got the little camera notch you've got You know, the the lack of branding on the outside of the phone. You've got the little contacts to attach the 360 camera. You know, pretty much all that's special about it is on the outside. In other words, it's not really about performance at all. It's just about kind of exterior design. And on the inside, it's literally stock Android. And that's a selling point, which has always been a funny thing with Android, that the sort of least differentiated version of Android is actually the version a lot of people want. Um, but it really isn't differentiated on software. There's nothing special about it in software. It's just a very basic Android phone in a really nice looking shell. Um, and on top of it all, you know, it's selling through the weakest of the four big U.S. carriers um, and, um, you know, launching into this timeframe when there's other big phones, including Apple's biggest launch in three years, um, you know, big launch, Samsung, uh, you know, strong launch earlier in the year from Samsung as well. Um, you know, So it just it's really hard for me to see how this is going to be anything other than a really small seller. Um, and it's version one, and in theory, they'll build up to something else. But you know, if there was one thing other than everything I said that came out of the reviews, it was there's a lot of stuff being promised here and not a lot of delivery yet. Yeah. So you know, the modular side, there's the 360 camera, but really nothing else yet there's this promise about the smart home and that kind of thing and a completely new operating system for the home and that doesn't actually exist yet, you know. So you're buying into the phone on the basis that there's somehow more to come, but it's very nebulous what that is or whether it'll actually be any good or any of that stuff. Uh, And in the meantime, you're basically buying physical hardware design and that's about it as far as differentiation goes. And so it's a really tough sell, especially with the limited uh, distribution as well.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, the the module thing is, I think, a bigger problem for Essential than they, than maybe they recognize because you're essentially you're, you're essentially you're you're competing with a whole bunch of other vendors in addition to smartphone vendors. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, they're trying to say, hey, buy our phone because there's this cool 360 degree camera you can attach. There are already right. other competing devices out there in the 360 degree camera space like and and it's not clear yet that the that the essential version of this is a better product you know the idea that you can conveniently attach below average modules to your phone is -hmm. not going to be a selling point right um and and that's that's part of the problem with this approach is that they have to have they have to be best in class and a whole bunch of additional products in order for this to really be a thing that people are going to want to 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 commit to as far as a phone as a platform goes so yeah and and I agree the timing thing is gonna it's gonna it's gonna be rough for them because you Mm -hmm. know the fall is sort of a super upgrade cycle period Mm -hmm. and uh you know and and you didn't mention that the pixel 2 is coming out a few weeks after the iPhone gets announced yeah if if there's a phone out there that that is similar to and and most directly competes with the essential phone is probably the Google pixel Yeah, Um, And that doesn't sell that well compared to Mm -hmm. other flagships in the Android space. And so, I don't know, there's a lot going against it for all Mm -hmm. the reasons you said. It is cool that they built a nice phone, um, kind of from scratch, essentially. Um, And, you know, the truth is, I don't think there's ever been a premium build quality phone in the Android space, maybe until this one. Um, not one that's sort of on par with the way Apple tends to build iPhones. Um, this seems closer to that, but at the same time there's stuff missing, like the fact that the essential phone's not waterproof. They're mm-hmm. they're kind of behind the game now on that one. Right. Um, the dual cameras, one of them is black and white, which mm-hmm. helps enable cool things, but it's I don't think that's I don't think that's the same as having a two X optical zoom from right. the second camera. Yeah. And so yeah, it's I don't know. It's just it's it's a it's it doesn't seem like the kind of entrant that's going to come take the market by storm. Yeah. No. Absolutely agreed.
0: And you know, one of the other things that struck me just quickly before we move on to the next topic about the reviews was how much nitpicking there is about little stuff. So yeah uh, either either in a positive or a negative way but it's like there's no headphone jack well okay but you know that's kind of the world we're all moving into frankly you know the three and a half millimeter headphone jacks are going away it's just the reality and you can nitpick about it all you want but every phone sold three years from now will not have a three and a half millimeter headphone jack and there are certainly viable alternatives out there um talking about the lack of a camera bump i mean i've been you know using a phone with a camera bump for three years now you know it's not an issue at all but it's funny and it it, to me that's just a sign that these things have got so good that we nitpick about this little stuff at the edges and that becomes the difference maker in some ways and and when that's the differentiator nothing really is you know you really are talking nonsense at that point in terms of these things really being a differentiator between phones and you know, it just goes to show how little true differentiation there is, and when a phone doesn't differentiate on software, you have to fixate on
1: these little tiny hardware details. Um, but, but then, that's but what yeah. makes it so hard for such a late entry into the Absolutely. market. yeah,
0: so. yeah, and especially if you're not going to do anything special in software, which, you know, that, that's yeah. that's a really tough sell, I think. But yeah,
1: okay, well, let's move on to
0: this uh, second topic, which is Apple Watch, and two specific stories as I mentioned at the beginning. Firstly, reporting from Bloomberg and backed up by, I think, Ming-Chi Kuo had a note out about this as well, um, about LTE versions of the Apple Watch coming. Uh, I think Bloomberg was a bit uh, hedging in terms of saying it could be this year, could be next year. At this point, that sh- decision surely long been made, so I'm pretty sure it is coming this year, but um, that presumably also means next month's iPhone announcement will also have new Apple Watches, including these LTE models. The other story was, I think, from CNBC talking about how Apple had been having discussions with medical insurance company Aetna about providing subsidized Apple Watches to its customers. Um, Aetna already has a program to give Apple Watches to, I think, 50,000 employees. Uh, so you know, it would be a dramatic expansion of that. I think they have 23 million uh, members in the U.S. so. You know, if they were all together, obviously that would be huge. That's, that's nearly as many Apple Watches as Apple sold altogether so far. Much more likely, this would be somehow offered to a subset, or at least taken up by a subset. But the theory here, I guess, is similar to uh, health insurance companies subsidizing um, gym memberships. You know, that you you encourage healthy yeah. behavior by your subscribers and that improves their health and therefore you're less likely to pay out so you kind of win in the long run as the insurance company so theory being you give uh, the customer an apple watch at a subsidized price or a fitbit or something and that will help them make healthier choices and so on so a couple of interesting pieces of news there aaron what was your take on those
1: um just a couple of things uh, i guess let's start with the edna thing then i'll go back to the lte thing I, with the Edna thing, I guess this—if this really happened—this would put to the test the idea that these, you know, on average, improve people's health. Because the only reason that would would do it is if that was true. But it also makes me wonder why they wouldn't roll out a program that was, that was, uh, fitness device agnostic. Um, be, I, I mean. Unless they're getting an especially great deal on Apple Watches by making it exclusive to the Apple Watch. It's not clear why they wouldn't just say, hey, here's a $150 subsidy right, for whatever right. fitness device you want to buy that's on this list. Mm. So I, I don't know. I mean, I can only assume that Apple's considering an exclusivity sort of kick to make this worth right. worth Edna doing it. Because I I can't say it's obvious that the Apple Watch necessarily makes people more fit than any other wearable does mm-hmm. so yeah. we'll see what happens
0: but it may that. have may have broader appeal i guess that's the thing like you know fitbits have been out in the market for a long time a lot of people have tried them given up on them the apple watch offers a somewhat different value proposition this sort of piece of sure. fairly fashionable looking jewelry too i guess so maybe that's part of the theory is you know it's more of a benefit i guess than simply throwing in a hundred dollar fitness tracker
1: yeah and 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 that may be true, And we'll see, I guess. I I mean, the thing about it is just that if it's... I don't think, like I said, that the watch has an edge necessarily in actual outcomes. Maybe it does. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, no, agreed. But if it doesn't, then why not offer the watch on discount or Fitbit and just let people Mm -hmm. choose because the goal would be the maximum adoption, right? If this is going to save it in the money, they want as many people as they can to wear these devices. It seems like it would make sense to... To have a diverse set of a diverse menu for them to choose from, so you're more likely to get uptake. So, I don't know, we'll see. Mm -hmm. Uh, Going back to the LTE thing, um, you know, there are rumors floating now that it's going to be data only LTE and that it will be only LTE, which means you need to be in a market that supports it well. Um, Those actually seem pretty likely to me. I have a harder time imagining voice because then it gets more complicated with having you know, a number attached to it, um, you know, versus the number that's attached to your phone. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's much more likely to be something like the way iPad manages data. If you have a, a you know, cellular data-enabled iPad, um, it yeah. would just be sort of an add-on to your current carrier. Or you can sign up for, you know, a separate carrier if you want. It's just a, you know, a smaller amount for a separate device. Mm-hmm. I, I imagine it being something much more like that. The I can see the reasons for the appeal of it. Um, uh, obviously, streaming music. Um, you know, having having live maps. You know, to go with the GPS. Um, I don't know any number of other things like that. It's a limited use set, but at the same time, you could see how it would be distinctively useful. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you have to be in a market that has good LTE coverage, which is going to be. It's just going to exclude a lot of people, but. Um, Um, I, 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 I think it, I think it was always inevitable with this, with the watch was the truth of it. Yeah. And so it'll be interesting to see what implementations, um, what applications of it actually make it useful. And also if there may be some developers out there who get excited about, um, a data connection going everywhere that, um, used to, that they used to not have as conveniently through the phone. So that's the problem, right? Is it's like, the, the main thrust of this is you have to think of situations where it's useful to have useful to have data on the watch when you don't want to bring your phone with you. Right. And that's the yeah. weird part. So.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I think as you say, it was inevitable it was eventually going to get this. It's really key to it eventually becoming more independent from the phone and being able to sort of be the thing you take with you when you don't want to take your phone. The obvious example being exercising, right? Yeah. So you already had GPS. Uh, and various other things sort of introduced in the last hardware so that you could be independent when hiking or running or whatever so that your run would be tracked and you wouldn't have to have your phone in your pocket for the gps um, but you know you don't get any of your notifications you can't you know get calls and texts and so on anything like that you're still very dependent on it, um having a phone with you as well and so lte is a natural sort of next step in allowing you to untether from the phone and yet still be connected and I have sort of mixed feelings about the idea that it would be data only and that it wouldn't include calling. I mean, I realize we all rely on our phones as phones far less today than we used to. You know, a lot of our communication is text rather than uh, voice communication. But, you know, it's still a bit hard for me to imagine people being okay with being, you know, out of contact for voice and other communication for, you know, an hour at a time potentially while they're exercising. I feel like they'd want to be reachable. And the reality is the carriers in the U.S. have all done interesting work to make it possible to attach the same number that's attached to your phone to a a secondary device as well. And they've implemented that in different ways, but it it largely relies on a set of sort of semi-standard stuff. Called IMS, which sits in the network that basically virtualizes a lot of the stuff that used to be kind of hard coded into networks, and basically makes it possible to assign virtual numbers to devices. So, you know, T-Mobile's got this Digit service that's based on that concept. AT&T has something called, I think, NumberSync uh, that does something similar. Uh, so, the the foundations there for the carriers to be able to do this kind of stuff, such that it could act as an extension of your phone and receive calls and so on. So, it's at least theoretically possible. Uh, whether Apple chooses to implement it in that way, of course, is up to them, but um, You know, I could see the value in that. But um, I'm not somebody who ever wants to necessarily exercise without my phone right now. I I tend to walk rather than run. If I'm hiking, I very much want my phone with me. Um, And so this isn't really intended for me in that sense. But I can see it being useful, you know, for people who do regularly want to sort of exercise and still get access to either music or notifications and things like that. But as I say, I I lean on the side of it, it having to have voice as well.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they implement it as well, though. I mean, if you've got AirPods, it makes a ton of sense to be able to do mm-hmm. voice with your watch. Um, yeah. Otherwise, you have to go around like Dick, Dick Tracy. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. it's, you know, so I don't know. We'll see what happens with that, I guess.
0: Yeah, I and I've never been a fan of actually using my watch for, for phone calls. You know, if yeah. you step away from your phone for a while and, and the watch is only anything you have with you and somebody calls you, I've maybe done that twice or three times and every time it's been frustrating trying to either hear the other person or be heard by the other person clearly. It's fine for emergencies, but, you know, I really don't know that you'd want to do that on a regular basis anyway. But uh, but to your point, with AirPods or something, it would be a lot more user-friendly, certainly on both ends. Um, okay, well, let's move on to our third topic, which is about video content. And again, two stories here, uh, a story from this week about... Uh, I think it was Monday, about Netflix bringing on Shonda Rhimes to create TV shows for Netflix. Uh, Shonda Rhimes is creator of Grey's Anatomy, uh, How to Get Away with Murder, Scandal, several really big shows. She's been employed by ABC until this point. Uh, you know, one of the very few uh, show creators out there to kind of become a name in her own right. Uh, you know, there's maybe a uh, Chuck Lorre, maybe on the comedy side, but there's really... Not many names out there who are known as creators of TV shows and successful TV shows. And, you know, she have got the Shondaland concept and various other things out there. So she's a big name, about as big as they come right now in drama. And so that's a big coup for Netflix to get her to come on board. And, of course, Netflix offers uh, additional creative freedom in terms of format and content. You know, if you're uh, writing shows for a broadcaster in the U.S., you have certain limitations on uh, the kinds of content. Uh, that you can include in there, but you're also tied to certain formats, that sort are of half an hour or an hour worth of shows with ads in between. You know, Netflix obviously gives you some freedom in that respect. So that's a, one big story. Second one is Apple was reported to uh, be. I think it's the Wall Street Journal that was reporting this. Have a, a billion-dollar content budget for this year for original video content, and of course, it's just the latest. Uh, sorry, the latest in a series of uh, t- signals that. Apple's getting more and more serious about original video content. Hired two fairly high-profile Sony TV execs earlier in the year. I think just last week it was announced that Apple had hired the former head of WGN America, one of the big sort of TV channel networks, uh, sort of secondary below the top four broadcasters. Um, So, you know, lots of signals that Apple's really serious about this stuff. So uh, interesting sort of pair of of news items there around content. Aaron, what was your take on these?
1: Well, you know, this this ties back to an idea we discussed a few weeks ago. And it's just that, you know, if you want to be competitive in this space, the most fundamental thing you need is a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And that's what's happening is more money is coming from the tech side and the streaming side than from the traditional broadcaster side. Right. And and that's where that's the future i mean this is where it's headed and Mm -hmm. and when somebody like shonda Rhimes can go over to netflix and everybody thinks that's awesome rather than crazy that's the big signal there right the fact that when the industry looks at it and the industry says wow this is really exciting and new and, and 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 has a lot of promise rather than saying what she went to netflix is she absolutely bonkers you know, I, I I think that's I, I think that's a big difference. I like it reminds me actually of as a counterexample to this uh, a few years ago when Katie Couric went to Yahoo, right? And at the time it seemed crazy, and not right. crazy, but it sort of seemed like what well, was that the best gig she could get, um, mm. you know, or or whatever. Yeah but with Sean, Rhimes. It just Ryan's- seemed
0: purely kind of about the money.
1: Is that, that's the other thing. I mean, exactly. it seemed like they must've just offered her a really, really good deal because right. why would
0: you go from broadcast TV to Yahoo?
1: Yeah, no, that's right. And it's not that way anymore. Now you, right. I mean, right. you, you know, now like Netflix has, gosh, a ton of shows that have entered mm. pub- the public consciousness that have won Emmys, you know, like, like, like truly competitive, valuable content that brings mm. not just financial benefits to Netflix, but prestige. Right. um to the actors and directors and producers involved that prestige element now that it can be delivered through a streaming platform means that money is the only missing recipe like money or mm-hmm. the missing ingredient and that's what's coming yeah. and netflix yeah. like we said is spending like crazy and a and billion dollars is a lot of money for apple to be spending on this it's not very much money to them but mm-hmm. it's a lot of money relative to the industry in fact you i'll leave this to you to, to describe it you tweeted a comparison with what Apple is supposedly spending to what HBO spends on original content. Mm.
0: Yeah, I mean this is the thing, right? So the billion dollars is a ton of money, obviously. Um, not necessarily to Apple, as you say, it's it's got uh, a couple hundred times that in the bank. But um, you know, it's worth looking at the context. And obviously, you know, Netflix is going to be spending about seven billion dollars on content in total, perhaps three billion of that on original content, the rest on licensing stuff. Uh, but HBO is the Comparison that's often made, and I saw a lot of people talking about two billion dollars relative to Apple's one billion, and could it compete? But it's important to break that two billion down because HBO actually splits that into two separate categories. One is originals and sports, and the other one is licensing of series and movies. Um, in other words, the originals and sports is the stuff that's exclusive to HBO. So it's either an original that it creates and then owns in per- perpetuity afterwards, or it's a sporting event where it has the unique rights to that, and so it's exclusive in that sense the licensed stuff is just windowing, right? So this is taking stuff that's created and owned elsewhere and just licensing it for a period of time. So if we look at Apple's billion dollars, it basically maps exactly onto that billion dollars that HBO currently spends annually on uh, originals and sports. So in that sense, it's a very competitive amount. Now, it might not spend it in the same way. There were some suggestions in the, I think the Wall Street Journal piece about how it was looking to basically create 10 really high budget series out of that, sort of along the lines of Game of Thrones type budget um rather than sort of a mix of stuff which is what hbo has where they have obviously game of thrones but they have um you know one or two other really big budget things and then lots of smaller stuff so uh, you know different strategy different use of that billion dollars perhaps but certainly very competitive with hbo to my mind the biggest question around all of this is still where does all this go because you spend a billion dollars and just shove it into apple music where it's mostly sort of buried and feels like a strange fit with all the music content that doesn't feel like the answer and The big question is just kind of, well, where else could it go? If it's a video service, what does that video service look like? Is it sort of an online pay TV streaming service along the lines of Sling uh, or DirecTV Now or whatever? Or is this a Netflix-type service? And and if so, where does the rest of the content come from? Uh, You know, what is the nature of that content? And is that really a sustainable strategy to start with that approach today, where, you know, the rest of the industry has moved on significantly from where Netflix was when it started. So lots of interesting questions that kind of arise out of this, even as we start to get some insights into what Apple might actually be spending on this stuff. Yeah,
1: I that's all, I 100% agree with all of that. I, I would add one other thing, which is an interesting question for Apple. Um, you know, they're not big fans of producing adults oriented content. That's not something. Mm. And, and when I say adult, I obviously don't name, mean pornography. I just mean like for more mature audiences. And when you look right. at like the biggest hits that Netflix has had, that HBO has, e- even Amazon or Hulu, they tend to be. M- Geared toward older audiences, at least not. No, they're all TVMA. Races. Exactly, I've done yeah.
0: some analysis on it. Pretty much all of them are. No, that's
1: exactly right. There are very few exceptions to that, right? Stranger Things is one, and that mm-hmm. one is still pretty edgy. You know, for like, I wouldn't have my younger kids watch that for sure, because right. Right. they'd have nightmares. But, but the point is, is that that that's not a space that Apple tends to favor. I mean, if you look at the way they've managed the mm-hmm. App Store for years. Um, you know they've stayed away from content that they think, um, it, you know, goes beyond what ought to be family friendly, and uh, and it'll be fascinating to see how they approach this original yes. content space that way. Yeah, like are mm-hmm. they gonna are they gonna try to make it so that it's all PG thirteen, you know, or TV fourteen, you know, mm-hmm. or 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 milder, or are they gonna do some TVMA stuff, which doesn't which isn't a space that they've ever really tried to do anything with before and so that's that's to me a really interesting question because it's it's very atypical it would be it would be really novel for apple to do a tvma show
0: yeah no that is one of the most interesting questions about all this and you know the the broader question is just do those online platforms do this content because that's the only thing that people actually want to watch on these platforms? Or is it just that they're saying, we can do whatever we want because we don't have all the broadcast restrictions and everything. So we're like a cable network and HBO and so on have always, you know, favoured the sort of the sex violence language stuff, um, you know, that they can uniquely do because broadcast in the US is constrained from doing that. Um, You know, are they just doing this because that's what's always been done? Or is there actually evidence that people only watch this show if it has all of those elements in it, you know, which conversely puts a lot of the rest of us off? Um, And so, yeah, there's that big question about that and whether Apple therefore feels it needs to follow suit because that is what others have done or whether Apple can actually find a way to, you know, make shows that are more family-friendly potentially or, you know, that that better suit its brand in that sense. Um, You know, it'll be fascinating to see. And, you know, the Sony TV executives that they hired were responsible for uh, Breaking Bad, um, which obviously is very much in that sort of classic tvma mold that we've been right. talking about but i think also the crown which you know is a one of the few netflix shows that you know is mostly pretty family friendly i mean it's fairly grown up stuff still but there isn't a lot of that stuff that makes these shows uh, rated for adults only so yeah a lot of really interesting questions around all of this um you know shonda rhymes obviously has created you know content for broadcast in the past as i said she's probably partly attracted by the creative freedom that comes which includes sort of content freedom um, you know her stuff's been pretty racy and, and violent but you know within the sort of constraints of broadcast so you know it'd be interesting to see which way she goes too but uh, certainly yeah. that's been the trend so far is all this original content with few exceptions has been very sort of mature stuff all right well let's wrap up the episode there we've talked about those three different topics as usual there'll be some links to some relevant stuff in the show notes uh, that you can kind of go and read about uh, we'll link to probably linked to tech meme to be honest on the essential reviews because there's a whole bunch of them and they do a good job of rounding up what's out there um we'll link to the other news items and things we've talked about too but thanks very much for listening uh, that wraps up this episode and another week of the beyond devices podcast i'll just give a quick plug again for the tech narratives podcast which i do every day it's a quicker roundup of roughly eight to ten news items a day in tech um and you might enjoy listening to as well and we should be back next week I'm hoping to have a question of the week episode next week, an interview uh, that I should be doing on Monday. So if all goes well, then you will hear that episode sometime midweek next week. And then we should be back with the news roundup on Friday as usual. So thanks very much, guys. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.